Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to kick off our on-air discussions on eviction and housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. As part of our summer book club, we are going to talk about the recent settlement between the ACLU and the city uh, and with regard to tax foreclosures here in the uh, Southeast Michigan area. And so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk to someone from the city. We're also going to talk to someone from the ACLU about what that might mean for the many people who face tax foreclosure as a means of eviction, in particular the people who rent from uh, owners who don't pay their taxes uh, and often don't even know that uh, the foreclosure issue is about to visit with them. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. It'll get started at right about half past the hour. But up first today, a Freedom of Information Act request revealed that the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality knew six years ago about the harmful effects of PFAS, a chemical that's often found in drinking water. The DEQ launched a statewide study of PFAS groundwater contamination earlier this year. The news site MLive first reported this week that a DEQ employee alerted the department to a widespread need for research and education about the dangers of PFAS contamination in 2012. Here's Richard de Grandchamp, a toxicologist with the University of Colorado, who was commissioned to work on the DEQ report. I was uh, amazed to find out that the levels of PFCs uh, in the general population and, and blood samples that were collected by CDC uh, had already risen to very alarming levels. A couple of dozen sites in Michigan have already tested positive for the toxic set of chemicals that are found in firefighting foam and water repellent products. The communities of Oscoda, North of Flint, and Rockford near Grand Rapids have been particularly hard hit because of industry there. Here is State Representative Winnie Brinks, a Democrat from Grand Rapids. She says she's frustrated that the DEQ has only acted in recent months to study PFAS. It's really discouraging to me that that report was there and that information was there, yet our entire department uh, at the DEQ either was instructed to not do anything about it or buried it intentionally or um, possibly just ignored it. You know, any of those scenarios are really not acceptable. Spokesperson for the DEQ says the department has acted on all of the recommendations of the 2012 report in recent months, and they say Michigan is leading the nation in PFAS contamination research. The reporter who uncovered the 2012 report through FOIA has been following this story closely for a couple of years. Garrett Ellison is the environment and Great Lakes reporter for MLive by way of the Grand Rapids Press. Garrett Ellison, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's start. What did this What did this report say? The, the report you uncovered. Well, this report was different than a lot of uh, other state reports uh, that are generated by um, field staff. Um, it was more of a call to action uh, than um, you know previous reports. Um, you know, there had been a report. A year prior that was sort of here's the state of current knowledge about these compounds this report in 2012 was was um, very much an alarm bell it was saying you know we have found very high levels of these chemicals in fish uh, near the former Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Oscoda 
Um, there's documented uh, levels of this stuff uh, in various parts of the Great Lakes, and all indications are that there's, uh, and I'm quoting, uh, significant exposure to Michigan citizens in the ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And the, re- the report was uh, developed by the site manager who discovered the, com- the compounds um, in Oscoda. Um, his name's Robert Delaney, and he's uh, been with the DEQ uh, doing this sort of stuff um, for more than 30 years. He's an expert in the environmental fate and transport of uh, contaminants. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's the guy who figures out essentially where the plumes are going and where to, where to search for them and that kind of thing. And is it your impression that uh, the DEQ did not follow up on the warnings in this report in, in a, a sort of aggressive way? Well, it's certainly not in an aggressive way. Um, according to what former DEQ uh, director Dan Wyant told me about the report is he said it formed the basis for funding uh, requests uh, for, uh, from the legislature for uh, sampling of surface waters and fish uh, for these compounds across the state. And that sampling did occur. That took place in 2013 and 2014. And in fact, that's uh, actually one of the first places that um, PFAS was, you know, how, how PFAS was uh, kind of discovered in some ways uh, in the Rockford area as they uh, that sampling found um, PFAS in the Rogue River, uh, adjacent to where the Wolverine Tannery uh, mm-hmm. was formerly located. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really go beyond that until uh, late last year when Governor Snyder's office formed the Michigan PFAS Action Response Team, or MPART. Um, you know, a lot of these recommendations that were put forth in the report uh, were very much, uh, you know, stressing this needs to be a comprehensive statewide effort across agencies. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what was created uh, in November 2017 uh, with MPART. Uh, it just, you know, it, the, the DEQ uh, has acted on the recommendations of the report. It just, you know, didn't get around to doing that until, for most of them, until last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a state where if you talk about drinking water and contamination, the immediate reference that comes up in most people's minds is the city of Flint. Uh, and that's a city where we saw a government cover up or downplay of the problem years before the public was really aware of the issue. Would you would you put this in the same general category? I'm not saying that this is identical to Flint, but is this a, a similar sort of dynamic that that unfolded here? Well, you know, that's really hard to say, and I'm, I'd be hesitate. To, I, I guess I'd be hesitant to um, really place the two things side by side. Flint okay. was, uh, you know, a, a man-made uh, disaster, and, and PFAS is really a legacy pollution problem uh, for the most part, although there are indications that some plumes that have been created are quite recent. Um, however, you do have the DEQ uh, as the primary agency involved, so I think there are natural. Uh, there's a natural inclination to uh, want to make comparisons there. Um, and you know, when it comes to this report, um, it's it, it it has certain you know the the optics of it do um, lend itself to looking at it as a cover up because mm-hmm. this report was not out there. You can find a report that was written by a work group of toxicologists and, and um, specialists within the DEQ and the DHHS, and that was written in 2011. 
and it made some recommendations, and that report is out there. You can Google search it and find it. Mm -hmm. This report was not available to anybody beyond folks who happen to know Mr. Delaney or uh, Mr. Grandchamp, who you talked to earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't available until I FOIA requested for it, and then the DEQ did put it online. Um, so... <clears throat> You know, it's it's difficult to make comparisons to Flint, although obviously there, you know, we're talking drinking water contamination, sure. and you know, people definitely um, their minds go to Flint first when you say that when regards to Michigan. Yeah, uh, there's also a significant uh, education challenge here for not only state officials, but I think for citizens to really understand what PFAS is. It's not really a household name. Uh, can you talk more about how? Officials are dealing with that, trying to wrap their minds around making sure people understand what this is, what danger it poses, and what they're doing to prevent that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of education that needs to happen uh, in the general public and, I think, um, within state government. And um, I think to DEQ's credit, they are doing a lot, uh, and they've begun doing it fairly quickly. Um, pretty much ever since the Wolverine uh, incident uh, broke, Last uh, August, um, the response to uh, PFAS contamination uh, has been uh, pretty significant. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> at the same time, these are confusing chemicals for most people, not simply the general public who are, who are in general, very confused about this mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but state regulators and public health officials as well are, you know, on the same learning curve. They're just, you know, farther ahead. It's not like lead, you know. There's one lead. Uh, it's PFAS or per and polyfluoroalkyl substances are, are are a plural. There's thousands of them, um, and we tend to uh, talk about them as a plural, you know, because you know it's. I guess we need to start talking about them as a plural mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of uh, as singular chemicals as uh, we tend to be t discussing them now because, right. you know, there's only a few that have standards and, you know, it, it's, it's very, it's new to many people, including in state government. And I think that's been, um, that's been a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the DEQ says it's doing what it can to deal with PFAS and that it is leading the way in PFAS research. Do you find that to be an accurate statement? Uh, a lot of advocates are really dubious about it. Well, I think Michigan has done a lot in a short period of time. Um, but what, you know, we are certainly not the first state to tackle PFAS. Mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey has already set uh, enforceable standards in drinking water, uh, maximum contaminant levels, or MCL, you know, that would be similar to the lead uh, action level. Um, we don't, we have in Michigan um, enforceable standards for, you know, how much PFAS can be in groundwater that's used for drinking water purposes, um, but those are brand new. That was only passed in January. It was an mm -hmm. administrative um, a rule that was promulgated. So we have a long way to go in terms of PFAS regulation at the state level and at the national level. That said, we're actively looking for PFAS sites now. And as we, the more we search, the more we find. So it looks like Michigan is just littered with this stuff. And it, it may be that we find a lot more. Um, it may be that a lot of other states end up finding a lot more when they start searching. Um, you know, the for, for Michigan to say that 
we're leading the way or we're a leader in this. Um, I don't necessarily know whether or not the facts of the matter bear that out, but mm-hmm. it's certainly um, something that the uh, state government you know, likes to say. Yeah. Okay, Garrett Ellison, environmental reporter for MLive by way of the Grand Rapids Press. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stephen. All right, up next, we're going to kick off our summer series of conversations about housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan as part of our community read of Evicted by Matthew Desmond. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you can always go to iTunes and download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.